You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Leon. Let's go! Welcome to Ace Comicals, episode number 62, and today it is just me and Leon. Hey, man. How you doing? Um, so, and this is like the first, this is like the return to form for us, isn't it? Because we had the uh, the Marvel movie spectacular special for Endgame. That we're still recording in some yeah, timeline. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Three, nearly four hours of podcast there for you to wade through. If you've seen the movie, if not, then you're going to stop an hour in but yeah there we go um so we're back with a couple of comics and we've just uh, chosen a couple of things from well I, I mean i think leon's got a couple of bits from free comic book day to talk about yeah. and i've chosen a couple of things from the past couple of weeks we'll come to that in a moment but first of all um some things to wrap up that like news wise that i've seen uh, just sort of like uh, floating around adverts in comics, etc. Um, even had the guy at my LCS talking to me about this. Uh, my friend Matt at Forbidden Planet works at Forbidden Planet. He was telling me, um, just like showing me the catalogue about these like these new X Men events that are coming up. Um, and this is going to be a relaunch of X Men. So X Men's kind of like starting over, getting a fresh slate. Um, and that'll be this summer. And I'm quite looking forward to it actually. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to, like, get into and start following X-Men again and just, like, have that back, you know? So is it, like, complete reboot? Is this year one? Or is it going to be um, sort of following on from the, the Grand Designs uh, recap things we've had recently? Well, um, I don't think it follows on from Grand Designs. Um, that Grand Designs is Grand Designs. That's its own thing. That's back this month as well, by the way. Um, uh, But this is... um, I don't think it's so much a reboot. I mean, a lot of, uh, like, places that... Like, on the uh, official Marvel site, they talk about it in terms of a a seminal moment or another milestone. Like, in the the adverts as well, they talk about it as a milestone in X-Men history. So it's like a jumping-on point, and it's like a a milestone in the same way... um, like previous things like Age of Apocalypse and such, you know, like where it's kind of like a, an event, but it's a, it's a jumping on point for people and it's like a milestone in X-Men history and people can get involved from that point forward and not have to worry about everything else. Even though all of that has happened, it's history, if you get me. Mm. Yeah. So that kind of thing where it's it's a, a relaunch, but it's not a complete reboot back to square one type thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Sort of a soft, soft reboot. Yeah, yeah. If you want to call it that. Um, and we've got uh, these two comics, uh, House of X and Powers of X, which are going to be the beginning of that. So that's where you'll start, and then you'll be able to carry on reading X Men from there onwards. And this is July. This begins in July. I'm just looking at the uh, what the official Marvel site has to say about it now. Um. And their sort of announcement for it. And there's some nice artwork to go with it. Um, there's a nice kind of like group shot of uh, a lot of iconic X-Men characters. You've got Iceman, um, Wolverine, uh, Bishop, Storm, 
Storm's back in in this in this image. Storm is back in her kind of like eighties um, extinction get up, you know, with like the the um, the mohawk and the leather jacket, yeah. kind of like punk Storm, yeah. She's got that look. going on. Yeah, Mr. Sinister's there. Uh, like uh, Cyclops, Cable, Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix. So they they seem to, and they've taken, they seem to have taken everyone back to uh, like a, a, a previous, like everyone's got like a more traditional look as far as X-Men costumes go. As in they've gone back to like um, previous iconic looks that the characters have had by the looks yeah. of things. Like Cyclops is in his blue and yellow with the, you know, like uh, I mean, he's yeah. Wolverine's in the brown and the brown and yellow. Um, Does Cyclops have the yeah. little head thing covering his hair? Uh, no, he doesn't. Okay, so they've gone middle ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's got the uh, the visor, but not any of the rest of it. Yeah, it's just it looks it looks really cool. It looks it looks like something that I mean, I'm I, there's the blackbirds in the background on this shot as well. So yeah, but I'm I'm excited for this anyway, as is as in it's something that I'm looking forward to, and I cannot wait to check out so yeah that'd be a big one for me um i don't know where you stand on that leon whether you can be doing with any of this because uh i know your opinions on big marvel events and <laughs> well the thing is if the collected runs the uh yeah house of x and all that um are good then i'll read a trade and get into it but um i'm not doing the the monthly thing <laughs> You're not going to do it, Greg. Well, that's that's for me. Like, yeah, I, the aforementioned grand designs. That's been really nice for me. Yeah, like these nice maxi collections where you can just read through and get all this lore. It is. It does obviously zoom past a lot of the stuff, but I like mm. my stuff collected. Like when I read uh, Days of Future Past or like um, Dark Phoenix Saga. I read those as, as collections, and it's just yeah, it's my preferred way to read X Men. You see, so did I, but I mean, obviously, neither of us are going to read them as single issues. We're not old enough. But... <laughs> I could have could have collected them like later in life. Yeah, and spent vast amounts of money. But <laughs> but no, yeah, I um, yeah, I I read those collected, and I think um, I mean, yeah, I like I like having collected editions. I like having hardbacks and stuff like that. But my philosophy is also well, if it's on the shelves now. And, you know, I want to be current and I want to keep up with it. And I like having, uh, I like having single issues. That's just me. Um, It's what I've been doing. I mean, it's what I'm doing with War of the Realms. And I think I was talking to you just before we started recording about War of the Realms as well, actually, and how I'm kind of regretting getting myself into that a little bit because of how vast it is. Um. And now you just like, got to keep growing. Yeah, all the tie-ins and everything else. Yeah, I've got to keep going. I'll get to the end eventually. And when I do, my poll list is going to reduce massively because there's certain characters I'm only picking up purely for the War of the Realms tie-ins and things you see. How many um, like different comics, uh, as in run, not runs, but you know, like different series are encompassed in this that in, you're that you're collecting in War of the Realms. Ooh. Journey into Mystery, the actual War of the Realms event books. There's Thor. I'm having to think now. <laughs> My mind's gone blank. The Punisher has a book. You just consume these as they're, they're delivered yeah. to you from your There's the list. Strike Force books. So there's different Strike Forces for different realms, and they're all like one shots. No, actually, they're not one shots. Um, 
oh dude it's just yeah i can't i can't like without having a diagram or with the information in front of me i wouldn't be yeah but i just i just know that i walk into the comic shop and um because i've asked for war of the realms plus tie-ins i get like a wadge of marvel comics thicker than a phone book every wednesday (laughs) that's all i know so yeah sounds absolutely brutal but uh you do you man someone has to yeah <laughs> someone's got to do it exactly eventually, well, literally everyone does otherwise we'll lose comics yeah eventually i'll be able to talk about it but yeah um i need to read it all and put everything in the right order and wrap because i don't i'm not even convinced i'm reading them in the correct order sometimes so is there not like a reading list or is that stuff that traditionally happens when the event has been finished um See, I I think you you like you can. I'm reading them chronologically as they come out, and I'm reading them. But I'm pretty sure there are certain comics that fit in a different. So I'm reading them chronologically as I get them. But I'm pretty sure there are certain comics that fit in different places along the timeline of the War of the Realms event. And yeah. I'm I've not actually gone and searched a reading list out, but there will be an official reading list somewhere. And there are actually warning, like, I mean, in a couple of the comics, it's like, don't read this unless you've read this one first kind of thing. Spoilers for this one ahead. So, yeah. So it does, it kind of signposts you a little bit, but it's, Mm. it's not. And the good thing about comics events as well is they are kind of fluid. Like, you can, you, especially where tie-ins are concerned. Because it's like, you've got like this main stump and then a load of branches coming off it. So... The thing about tie-ins are as well they're 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 not mandatory, really. I mean they are and they're not, but yeah. Like it, it, you can you can you could just probably pick up War of the Realms one to six, and not worry about the tie-ins and still have a nice story to read, you know. Hmm. But yeah, that's just just how it works. And I wanted the tie-ins because I I think this this what they're doing right now is cool. I like this story. I like this whole massive war across several Asgardian realms. Not even well, some, several realms, including Asgard and and like uh, you know, all encompassing. Ta- you know, it's t- it's taking over the entire world. Basically, the world has been taken over and divvied up and frost giants get america and so on and so forth and it's just yeah it's just really interesting and a lot of different characters involved and a lot of characters get to shine in an event like this as well which is kind of cool and i quite i quite like it everyone gets their moment which is pretty awesome but yeah i mean back to house of x and powers of x um so these two new series are written by jonathan hickman and um We've got art by Youngun, Pepe Larraz, R.B. Silva, and uh, Marta Gracia works on it as well as a colorist. Um, and these are this. This is a really good creative team. Jonathan Hickman has had a really good, fantastic forerun previously, so I'm looking forward to this definitely. Uh, Jonathan, I, I know Jonathan Hickman is a great writer. I've I, I've loved his previous stuff, so that's another big one for me. Another big indicator of the fact that I need to be buying this. Other than that, I mean, what have you been up to, Leon, since we spent four and a half, three and a half hours or whatever talking about a uh, a recent Marvel film? 
What have I been up to? I definitely haven't been watching comic book movies because uh, following uh, rewatching one of the MCU and, and seeing uh, Endgame a few times, uh, like wanted to have a bit of a, a detox. Um, but like part of that detox has just been um, trying to like read a few different things. So I've been I've been reading a. Uh, like I mentioned in the past, I was uh, reading up on some Junji Ito uh, works. And uh, yeah, I've been reading a bunch of those, rereading some and uh, reading ones I hadn't read before. Um, and it, they're, they're things that it would be nice to discuss with you guys on a bit more of a spoilery podcast because um, yeah. there's a lot of... Uh, I, I think you'd quite in, in, enjoy them. There's a lot of uh, freaky meat on that on that bone to to dig into. Yeah, I would. Um, I, would um, I would be into that. We could do like a, a special. Yeah, yeah, we should. Um, yeah, uh, and then apart from that, like, where's the, where's the time gone? I, I've mm. um, like I've been. I haven't even been playing anything. <laughs> I, I I just put myself in like a cryogenic chamber every time when I get home from work. Yeah, I just get into my uh, my chamber and uh, like get in there and uh, recharge until I have to go to work the next day. Because I mean, yeah, do, do I need to say any more about Game of Thrones this season? Everybody and their mum has weighed in. Not really. Uh, <laughs> what's what's uh, a what's a Game of Thrones, Leon? Uh, the Game of Thrones is uh, what happens when, uh, it, basically, the world at large are feeling the pain that we felt when you're watching an anime show and they like get ahead of the manga, so you get filler arcs, and then something sad happens, like with yeah. uh, Rooney Kenshin, yeah. where the show ends uh, during filler and you never get the last arc um, from the comic. So the world at large is, is starting to feel the effects of that and whining about it. And uh, us lot are just like, yeah, you've been here, man. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it's not going to end the world. Yeah. It's just not going to go the way that you want it to go. But um, yeah, apart from stuff like that and our deteriorating political structure, I've... Uh, Hmm. I've just been um, delving in and out of things. What I've done mostly, actually, is uh, it's a lot of um, catch up and and like com- completion because yeah. a lot of things that I started or like got a couple of episodes into or a couple of issues into that I've been um, like uh, watching and like reading up on. But um, hmm. yeah, there's a few things that uh, I'm looking forward to uh, diving in with you and. You and Rahul, because they're especially the these uh, uh these newer uh Junji Ito uh, Junji Ito stuff. They're really really good. Yeah, I, freaky I, as hell. I need to get on that. I've been like um diving in because Batman and the Outsiders has recently hit the shelves again, and I picked up the first one. It's 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 rather good, I must say. Um, and it's nice to be able to get back in with that team again with the outside. I mean, it's a slightly different team. But it's nice to be able to get back in with the Outsiders again and everything else. I, I quite like the, the Batman and the Outsiders stuff. Um, I've been reading classic Batman and the Outsiders again uh, from my collected editions of it. Um, and 
like that's been my thing like reading these like classic batman outsiders comics because they're just gorgeous um i've been playing castlevania it's like me just revisiting stuff i've been playing castlevania symphony of the night again Mm. um because i recently i recently bought it on the uh playstation 4 uh it comes with rondo of blood like packaged together um and i'm at the clock tower and it's brutal as is is as brutal as i remember it actually but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love how how does so uh, 2019 uh greg fare against uh, when you were younger and you played it i'm doing i think i'm doing better i make i make better time so like what once would have been three and a half hours game time is now two because i already know which way to go and so forth like what i need to get to x like i know that i need to go to a certain part of the castle first to get something to be able to go to the like and so on like i i, I there's no jumping around walk, running around aimlessly well less of it anyway because i remember things <laughs> so but yeah i do i mean that is my favorite castlevania game anyway for sure mm. um also i just wanted to say that um I got given a gift by um, Fluff and Fury, who, which is something that um, a, a friend of ours uh, is set, has, has set up, and he's he's like three D print stuff. He makes things. Um, he gave some stuff to um, our streamer friend Askew as well, Ant Askew on Twitch. Um, he's a video game streamer, and he got some free gifts off them as well. And he's he's uh, he's had some things off them given away in competitions and such and uh we've had well i've been given basically i had this like old mega drive 2 that i had had as a kid um and it stopped working and i couldn't bring myself to throw it away so i just packed it away and left it in the attic for years and years and years spent years up there um now eventually um joe our friend joe was doing things with uh games consoles and things like that so i just gave him this old presumably knackered uh mega drive 2 and said here you know if i if i'm not going to do anything with it at least it can be used for spares and repairs you know you can do something good with it and it won't just sit taking up space in my mom's attic right so he took it and he's had it for a few years he had it for a couple of years and i I don't know what happened to it i don't know whether he'd already done it up and done something with it or what but like he came around my house um a couple of weeks ago and he gave me this box and inside this box was my mega drive 2 but it wasn't just my mega drive 2 it was my mega drive 2 with batman decals and wayne tech decals and painted gray and he like made me a a, like he'd batmaned up the pad as well like he just basically like pimped my (laughs) mega drive 2 like (laughs) pimp my ride style but with a games console he heard i liked batman so he put batman on my batman <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he uh he gave me um a copy of uh batman returns for the mega drive to go with it as well which was kind of sweet so yeah he uh he batmaned up my mega drive too and it looks really really cool and um it, there's pictures of it on twitter already on the ace comicals feed so you can check it out um but that is um the fury half of fluff and fury which are um a couple of friends of ours that make really cool stuff so you should check them out as well 
um lots of really awesome like 3d printed cosplay prop type stuff that they do and things like that which is really cool yeah yeah most definitely the the stuff that i've seen so far have been very cool very very cool yeah I mean, they've done. He's. Uh, they've modded consoles in the past. Like they did. Uh, for there was a guest we had. Uh, one of our guests, Marv, um, our friend Marv, when he he's um, he has had a um, was it a Resident Evil Dreamcast? Yeah. Yeah. Which was really cool. Um. And that that basically wraps up my uh, my bit of news. So, uh, Leon. I mean, have you got anything else you'd love to tell our, our lovely audience or are we going to move straight into the comics now? I've got many things uh, to tell our, our lovely audience, but I don't think they want to hear them. So <laughs> yes. So um, into the comics and um, I'm going to open this up with the latest issue of Ice Cream Man. <laughs> Um, Ice Cream Man number twelve. Now, we've t- we talk a lot about Ice Cream Man on this show. Um, we we love this series. I-, I particularly love this series. I love what it does. Um, I love what it explores. Um, the idea that it just the idea of it, the eternal. Um, how do I put this into words? The idea of eternal bad ideas. The the idea of like um, this, these two forces, uh, uh, hope and um, hopelessness, like vying for control of the human race and people's lives. And uh, uh, yeah, just what the creative team are doing with this right now is amazing. Like this, this, the, this is the end of the current arc, which was Hopscotch Melange. And that'll be collected soon, so you're going to be able to get a trade of that soon. Uh, Ice Cream Man then returns in July. So uh, we'll be back in July with another... Um, beginning of another arc uh, called Palindromes, according to this, which sounds kind of interesting. Um, and I don't know if that means there's going to be a comic that you can read from both directions, because that would be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. But um, if they, if that's what they're doing, then... I'm going to be all over that, and we're probably going to end up talking about it on here, but because that's kind of special. But this one is like the end of this arc, and and this arc has been all about how um, these two eternal entities hopping from universe to universe in a battle spanning billions of years have just basically vied for control of of people. It's, it's, it is literally hope versus hopelessness is is what I get from it, and through this lens, we get an examination of the human condition and the ugly rot that hides within the mundane. And how, like, a bad feeling or uh, if you let, um, you know, a bad feeling or, or, or bad um, bad thoughts that drive bad behavior. It's just kind of like it, it you know, it can become malignant and it can, it can grow and it can spread and it can take over. Um, and all it, it, it's like the ice cream man is just giving that a little push. Um, and that's his role, and he kind of feeds off that as well. Like he, um, 
he's this eternal being of corruption that seeks and orchestrates and feeds on fears and nightmares and he amplifies the so-called bad music as i say so it's like these they they refer to it as bad music um in the comics the uh, the thoughts or the feelings you may get that would drive you to certain behavior uh, or drive you to taking certain directions in life and such with uh, the themes of the previous comics now this one <clears throat> this particular chapter takes place in space after the end of the world and we begin on a type of space arc which carries kind of the last hope of humanity digitized images two of everything like to everything on earth alongside our history and achievements also our mistakes and everything else in the hope of setting up a new earth because earth is done for and this ship is supposed to be kind of carry us to somewhere else um and it's just the idea that even after the world is gone the corruption remains and in space you can still hear the bad music and as always the artwork is beautifully unsettling like almost everything uh after a certain point in the comic is in shades of dark gray and um it it it, it works perfectly um it's just a it's just a beautiful 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 comic and i love this uh the idea of them hopping from universe to universe as well. These two entities just taking with them re well, just basically wreaking chaos and destruction is, is what the ice cream man's doing through him pushing people towards bad choices and bad ideas into hopelessness and, and despair. And then uh, there's this other, um, this other being that appears to be trying to stop him or is following him, trying to hunt him, kind of like a bounty hunter type thing, which is kind of cool. Uh, providing some balance, like I believe that being is uh, is like the hope side of things. But it's just, yeah. It's just, it's just awesome. And there are some great panels. There's one where uh, it is the, the ice cream man being sat on a throne that has spider legs coming out of it and there's like all maggots and stuff behind him and the throne is made of like bones and he's in some kind of like weird temple on a moon that, has... that sounds very on brand <laughs> yeah yeah it's just awesome um and it's like everything just he's basically saying that it, you know this this is just everything just repeats itself and it's just yeah it's very on brand for ice cream, man. It's great. But, I mean, this one and the previous one to this as well, number 11, which was about uh, reality TV, <laughs> which was uh, really fun as well. I quite like that one. I want to be able to talk about all of these together, though. So this is something where I'm going to, um, I want to wait for you guys to catch up and then we can talk about all of it together. Yeah, we're going to have to... Uh, have a good spoiler re-app about that. Yeah, I think we should do an Ice Cream Man special as well. Mm. Definitely. Um, because... I've got a lot to catch up on with that, yeah. but all 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 the things that you and uh, Rahul have said um, have just like uh, hyped it up for me. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is this is brilliant. I love it. Um, and that is. Uh, yeah, the cover's pretty awesome as well. The cover is just basically this arc floating between Earth and the Moon. Um, and uh, yeah, so that is uh, Hopscotch Melange Part 4. 
and that's Ice Cream Man number 12, and that is written by W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Marazzo, colours by Chris O'Halloran, uh, lettering by Good Old Neon, uh, cover A is Marazzo and Halloran, cover B is Tula Lote, and it is designed by Ashley Walker. There is design by Ashley Walker, and it's just... Yeah, it's... Um, like, I, oh man, I just... I, why have I got to wait till July? I know it's only a month, but... <laughs> July will be here in no time. Damn it. Yeah, so that's Ice Cream Man number 12, and that's that one's worth picking up. And pick up the previous trades and read it, please, because it's probably one of the best comics out there right now, as far as like um, this kind of like existential horror stuff goes, you know? Because I think that, can we call it that, existential horror? I think we can, can't we? Sounds fair from, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So yeah, that is uh, Ice Cream Man. Um, and uh, Leon, you're up. So, uh, as you mentioned previously, uh, what I decided to do uh, has this app is, as well as doing some of my longer reads on some graphic novels and some bigger trades, I uh, wanted to dig in to some of the things that I picked up on Free Comic Book Day a couple of weeks ago. And one of the good things with Free Comic Book Day, uh, or one of the more interesting things is that, as I've stated before, I'm like, I've pretty much mostly moved over to, to digital when it comes to like newer comics now. But uh, Free Comic Book Day always... Um, like uh reminds me of what it's like uh holding single issues and uh reading going uh, flipping pages back and forth and like there is like um like a nostalgic feeling i i, I get with it uh that I, I wish there was a way to like have my cake and eat it <laughs> <laughs> because i i love reading um my comics uh, on the iPad is like that. That is like the perfect balance for me in terms of yeah how it feels, uh, comfortability, and like how good it looks. But I do like the the feel of a good um, of a good comic book, and it's the same with like um, books uh, as like novels type. Um, there's certain books that I only ever get. Um, physical and that's like non-fiction learning stuff because I, I just find with physical stuff it's easy to flip back and forth between pages um, and then like I've got quite a bunch quite a few like n- like story novels which are physical as well and I go back and forth between reading them like physical or, or digital like uh, I do kind of miss that from from comics because like, I've got yeah. so many tr- physical trades like trades uh, are by physical all day, but yeah, actual individual um, issues is a, is a different thing. I feel like um, if I had a better device for reading comics, because I've got a tablet and I can read comics digitally, but it's a very old tablet and it pisses me off trying to use it sometimes. Yeah, I feel I feel like if I had a better device, I might read more digital comics. But I'm I'm a as you know, I'm a man of the physical media. I like vinyl. I like 
solid books and comics. I like to surround myself with that stuff. I'm old-fashioned that way. I like having shelves with stuff on. Like I like having my living room with bookshelves with think with books on the shelves. Yeah, like, it feels cozy and it feels nice, and it's like it's nice it feels to be normal. Reminded of what you've got, <laughs> rather than having to check your like digital library. Well, it it's also the fact that I've you know like when I pay for something, like I I still haven't gotten past the. I mean, I can do it with games now. Like I've finally gotten past that hurdle, but. I find it hard to pay for something when I'm not getting anything physical in return. Also, a lot of these things, uh, like, say, for instance, Comixology, yeah. have DRM on there. That uh, That's a thing that is not as fun, because yeah. at least with non-DRM stuff, uh, when you buy it, sure. uh, you actually you actually have the thing, whereas, yeah. like... A lot of the the services we use, Steam, Comixology, and all that, it is uh, yeah. paying for like the license to use something, but they could take it away at any time. Yeah, they can. Yeah, and it's not your comics collection. Yeah, and yeah. when it comes to that type of stuff, it it's only pure um, yeah. convenience that I am comfortable buying things that way. Yeah, but like like I say, if I'm if I want a collection, if I want the thing, and I end up buying the trade, mm. it's like or it's... the trades. Yeah, I mean, like, this army of long boxes behind me, that's going nowhere, that's mine. No one can take that off me. You know, <laughs> it's just like, and and it's, it's you know, it's something solid. And I like, I you know what, I even, I guess I, got, I mean, I just said if I had a better device, but I think even then, I think I prefer reading off a physical medium because I just, I don't know, I I think it's, I find, I, I think, I think it's, it, I find it strains my eyes sometimes. Because you've got a, uh, the backlight shining. Yeah, in there. looking at a tablet screen. Whereas, like, if I'm, I I like to sit and read from because it's it's time away from a device as well. Like, yeah, it's reading, good to get away from screens. Yeah, get time away from blue light and everything else. Like reading from a physical book or a physical comic is time away from a device for me because I can I'll put my phone down in another room sometimes and I'll just go and I'll be reading comics and then I won't like probably go without my phone for like a couple of hours or go without looking at a device screen for a couple of hours at least you know no t i don't have the tv on i don't have you know so yeah yeah no, uh definitely and it's it's mm. one of those things where i don't think i can go back i mean i've never i've never since only when i was a kid but i never yeah. really been big on single issues because um they i just don't have the space um and i, I don't like having like loads of floppies. Like I'm the opposite of you in the, in that sense where yeah, I, uh, I don't like, it's not going to be the way how I revisit things. Uh, I'd rather revisit stuff in a trade. Well, I'm, but, I'm lucky in that I have a wonderfully understanding girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> and that the place we're currently renting, I have my own, like I, I, I can have a hobby room, which is nice. <laughs> I'm lucky in that regard. I mean, I think if I was living at home still, um, I wouldn't have the space for this. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have the comic collection I've got now because I just have nowhere to put it. But yeah. But yeah, all of this leads me to talk about um, Under the Moon, uh, a Catwoman tale. So this is like the free comic book day sort of preview to the. 
the full fat uh, graphic novel um, that was released earlier in the year. Um, and it's uh, written by uh, Lauren Miracle. I'm going to pronounce it, even though there's a Y. I believe it's Miracle because it's, it's too good not to be Miracle. Uh, and it's illustrated by uh, Isaac Goodhart. And the story from what's presented here in this um, snippet, which I don't know if it's at, right at the beginning of the book, um, it, it does feel like it, but I could see how they could be a bit more before. But um, spoilers of, how, of my enjoyment of the book, but I, I do want to check out um, the full book um, based on um, this little preview. But yeah, this... it. The preview covers sort of like a day or two in uh, young Selena Kyle's life. Uh, and this is Selena Kyle, the Catwoman. Though at this point, she's sort of the cat girl. Um, and so this is during her, this... her days as an orphan. Well, no, um, those orphan days are behind her because oh. she had. She lives with a person, a woman that she refers to as mum, mm-hmm. who I, I assume is her adopted mother at this point in the story, and her um, mother's uh, awful boyfriend uh, called Darnell or something like that. I, I, I think so. Uh, Durnell. Who's ne- yeah, Durnell. And he's a douchebag. He, he looks like a douchebag. <laughs> Uh, he, he looks like he drinks beer with breakfast and he just looks like an awful person. Um, so, like, it's that that typical setup of the awful, the awful yeah. uh, stepdad yeah. type thing. Anyway, during this course, uh, this day, uh, while going for a walk to get away from the house, she finds a little cat. Uh, and she, like a stray cat, a uh, stray kitten, I should say, uh, that she refers to as uh, Cinder's. Like uh, your girl Cinderella, and she basically cares for this cat. And then we have a day at school where we sort of get the the dynamic of what what her life is like at school and how she relates to different kids. Um, and then the thing that sort of made me think, like, oh, this isn't just a traditional, um, this isn't just the lost years of Selena Kyle. This is its own. It's basically. The Bat Gotham YA, which um, is the point of this imprint, which I'll go into later, but because um, there is a Bruce Wayne who attends her high school, and oh. they uh, they they have a conversation, uh, and it's about uh, sort of falling out of touch, and we get like um, some visions of what's happened with uh, how Bruce dealt with um, like his parents dying. Um, but you get the more social aspect of that, like cutting everybody out and sort of um, distancing himself from people. And they, they reconnect. Um, and like it all feels good. And then uh, enter stepdad, um, finding out that she's taken in uh, a kitten. Uh, and uh, you have quite a dramatic horrible sequence of events that follows that. And it does feel like it's very early in the 
the book book, the full version of the book, because it, it feels quite like a, it feels like it's a formative um, moment, a moment and event for young Selena Carr. Um, and yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. It's what, what we get here is quite short, but I think um, it, it it's a good advertisement for what it'd be like um, to approach uh, these characters and stories this way. So this is on the DC uh, Inc. Um, like imprint, which is, it, it appears to be. So I think DC launched uh, two imprints, uh, I think it was earlier this year. Uh, you had DC Zoom, which is uh, comics that are more focused um, on, like, say, middle school kids, which for us would be, like, the early earlier years of um, secondary school. Yeah. Um, and then the other imprint is DC Inc. And DC Inc. seems to be uh, getting, like, uh, YA uh, novelists, uh, especially because all of them seem to be New York Times best-selling authors as well, uh, and then pairing them with um, uh, like artists who have qu- quite a um, quite uh, their own like uh, vi- uh, their own noticeable visual style, and then pairing them off in that way, and basically giving us YA comics, but using some of these big DC characters. So. As well as this uh, Under the Moon Catwoman one, there's uh, a Mera book which uh, 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 that came out uh, earlier in the year. So that's Mera of uh, Aquaman's uh, uh, fame. Uh, there's a Raven yeah. book in the coming out in the summer. Uh, so uh, the, the Mera books by uh, author Danielle Page. I can't see the I can't see the artist on this image because then it's make it small. <laughs> Uh, there's um, a Raven book out in the summer, and there seems to be a Harlequin book and a Batman book out in the autumn. And it seems like a, a quite a cool idea to go on to take these characters that we know and love, especially uh, having quite a big um, female-centric focus um, on them, like pick, picking... Uh, like female characters, having female authors and sort of getting in the heads of these characters. Because a lot of the time, these characters are just uh, punching titans and... Well, I mean, one is a teen titan, but like punching titans and uh, uh, like I don't know, all types of end-of-the-world stuff. But to see a sort of like formative and social um, uh, like relationships and how they how they sort of exist in in the world is a very interesting way to cover these characters because like a lot of YA stuff, uh, like young adult fiction uh, can focus on um, dystopias. Uh, but like not all, but like quite a lot, a lot of the ones that are famous and been adapted into movies have been, but, uh, the all of these ones seem to be more, um, Set in the like teen years, like high school, but de- uh, like formative events that lead lead these people along their different paths. From what it looks like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's a cool concept, and um, I'm 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 looking forward to checking out the full version of Under the Moon because I want to see like how it works and if if if, if marrying uh, the Y novelization style 
with uh, with comics, uh, especially superhero comics, works well. It, it's, it'll be cool to see if it does. One thing I'll say though, I hate the DC Ink logo. <laughs> it's so annoying. Like, just the letters are all like messed up. But um, yeah. with, with this actual book, the um, uh, the art style is really cool because it for color, uh, it it's it's basically blue, like uh, shades of blue. Um, so you've got like really, really like dark blue and then the like dark navy and then the rest of it is like a light blue. Um, and that sort of colors the world and doing it this way does, um, does make it feel different than if you're just reading the book. Like it does feel like you're reading a YA book or like teen novelization, but like fleshed out visually, which is cool. Um, yeah. Character designs, uh, like the people who you know, so like Bruce and Celia, look different, but they're designed in a way where they they look like, like normal teens or at least teens that you'd recognize from like TV, like Riverdale or something like that. So mm. it's it's quite cool and it's quite um, like it feels set. I think it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's set now. Now it feels like it's set in the nineties, and I, I think that's just the, the the style of it. The style of clothing, the um, like what you see. I don't think anybody has a mobile phone or anything. So it does. It does feel like it's set in the nineties. It has that sort of endless summer time feel to it, uh, and it, 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 it. I've watched like a lot of like. American teen fiction stuff, so it it does evoke uh, like the nineties um, era versions of of those. But it, yeah, it's quite it's quite cool, and uh, the little techniques it does to uh, like have us inside Selena's head um, as she goes for a day, um, and sort of the balance between what's evidently a crappy home life uh what but then her like outlook when she's out in public and with her with her friends or friend i should say friend angie so yeah it's it's interesting i'm I'm wondering where it goes because if the event that happens here happens right at the beginning um, i'm wondering uh where they go and how far they go because it's Mm. um it's It'd be it'd be traumatic for for anyone what happens, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd give that um, a recommendation. Um, and like to follow up with the credit, the uh, colorist was Jeremy Lawson, and the letterer was Darren Bennett, and that nice. is Under the Moon, a Catwoman's Tale. Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I've seen it advertised. I mean, I've got the uh, free comic book day one from it as well, but um. I've just not, I've not, I'm not around to reading it yet. <laughs> like keep, like I said, keeping up with War of the Realms is a full time job. Um, but I've, uh, <laughs> I've got, um, I've seen it advertised in uh, other in the pages of other DC comics uh, that I've been buying, and I've also seen the Mirror one advertised as well. Mm. So, yeah, they did. They, it, it looks like a, it looks like a cool concept, and it'd be something that I'd want to check out and see just just see what they're doing with it basically because it does sound kind of cool um i'm gonna follow your lead and start talking about cats uh because there's 
Um, thing I stumbled across, uh, Dark Horse are releasing a new comic, um, I believe in August. Uh, this is something where basically I just stumbled across an article on Sci-Fi Wire. Um, and uh, it's this new Dark Horse comic that's coming that looks pretty cool. It's kind of like up my alley a little bit. Basically, uh, the basic premise is it's called Strayed. Uh, S-T-R-A-Y-E-D. And the, um, the the basic premise is that this cat can astral project and is going to save humanity. Okay. And this cat gets all cosmic and trippy and like like a lot of space stuff involved. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just down for this astral projecting cat saving the world. <laughs> um, and the cover looks really cool. Um, uh, it's just it sounds yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, it just looks really fun. Um, and it's something that I'm definitely going to be adding to my pool list and checking out. Um, I mean, like, I can't imagine my two cats ever doing anything like that because my two cats are dumb, but <laughs> like really. You never know, they could be astral projecting when you're out of the house. I can imagine. You don't know how many times they've saved the world. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> I mean, um, whatever they're doing, like, I can imagine like that they're doing that. And it's basically burning out their tiny brains, and that's why they behave like they behave when I'm actually home. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yeah, so like you're working, they're working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, they're um. Yeah, it, it, this this just sounds like a really cool comic, and we've got like this really like uh, this cover that I've seen is like really kind of like colourful and trippy. Um, lots of use of light and like uh, um. You know, like when something looks like it's vibrating and it's got like a, a an edge around it, things like that, and like when uh, you know when you want to like uh, like three D images where they've got like several lines around them in different colors and that kind of it's got there's kind of that got that like going on for it a little bit with the artwork with the cover, mm. um, and it's kind of nice and I just I like the the design of the cat, the design of the. Uh, the star of the show um this cat is called um lou l-o-u this cat saves the world <laughs> by going to outer by, by astral projecting into outer space apparently <laughs> so I, i'm interested to see how that works i'm quite i'm quite into the i'm quite into the idea of this uh yeah and that is uh strayed and that's dark horse comics um and uh the creative team behind that um we've got um justin uh juan do um matt Kreutzer, and yeah those those are the two named at the moment yeah juan do and uh matt Kreutzer. oh uh carlos gifoni as well carlos gifoni is the writer um Juando is the artist and Matt Crotzer appears to be the letterist. Uh, so it just, it, yeah, it's, I'm in for this. I'm all over this. Sign me up. Astral projecting cats. Um, I just wanted to mention as well uh, that um, Murder Falcon has ended. 
and what an ending that was. Uh, so that's issue eight of Murder Falcon. Uh, and that will be collected into a trade uh, sometime soon. So watch out for that because it is a great story and I recommend it to anyone. It, it was a fantastic finale. It went out wailing and screaming over a cacophony of guitars. And I have loved this tale from start to finish. And yeah, again, this is just a quick mention to remind you all that the trade's coming and you should be thinking about picking it up. Um it's a great tale about the healing power of music and the strength that we can all draw from it to face and drive off our demons. And it's also about how important music is in our lives and how we rely on it sometimes to get us through the day. And it's also a story about having the strength to face your fears and go down fighting and never give up. And it's all kinds of awesome. And it's all kinds of metal. And it's, it's up there, definitely should be checking that out. Um, that is the um, creative team for that. I'll just read that out very quickly. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson is the creator, artist, and writer. We have uh, Colours by Mike Spicer. Uh, Russ Wooten is the letterer. And uh, yeah, it's just a, a monster, a leviathan of a comic. Um, Leon, back to you your next okay. next one off your list <laughs> yes um so uh i picked up i'm trying to remember how many maybe 10 uh yeah maybe 10 or so books on frequently day i'm trying to not do the grab bag thing of just grabbing five even though because this co- free comic day on the list there was not there was not too many things that like jumped out at me and been like, oh, I, I need to get my hands on, on that type of thing. So I wanted to just go for things that looked interesting that I'd uh, not seen or heard before. So one of the ones that fit that bill uh, was uh, Interceptor, which um, is, I believe, is a 2015 comic that was on uh, was on Heavy Metal. Um, and now uh, the free comic book day version, which um, and the the main version, I believe, been re released by Vault Comics. So this is a story by uh, Donny Cates on writing, uh, Dylan Burnett illustrating, Taylor Esposito lettering, um, Seamus Martin uh, story editing. Um, and (laughs) it's an odd story, but it can be summed up as it's like mega, mega, mega forward in the future. Humanity left earth. Um, like, uh, we destroyed the planet, had to go see later earth. And, And now, uh, humanity, the home planet of humanity is a place, a planet called palace. P-A-L-U-S. And we pick up three hours and 15 minutes to the first term of President Dominic O'Connor. And he's in his office with uh, his chief of staff, his deputy chief of staff, and his communications director. Um, And they're having a chat with him, and they realise that 
he has no idea about a certain section of history um, and, uh, and a, a particular ritual. So they recount the story of basically the real reason <laughs> uh, humanity fled Earth. And I won't, <laughs> I mean, it, it's super early in the book. It's like three pages or something. So I'm not going to fully spoil it. But basically, vampires. <laughs> Okay, and there's a really right. there's a really good panel with this because um, the chief of staff is to like chicken to uh, like go into it. He like he just can't get his words out, and the communications director is just like like just tell him already. Go on, just tell him. And then you have a great uh, two panels where she's like, "Now, fair warning, sir. This is massively abridged." But if we're going to move ahead with this, there's a lot of information you'll need to know. So, yeah, vampires. And then we proceed to get um, a sort of flashback exposition. But it's really good because before then, all the comic book panels are sort of standard, white gutters, some are black-bordered. But then the the panel where she says vampires isn't black-bordered. And then yeah. the following pages are, uh, isn't white-bordered. And the following pages are black-bordered. Yeah. And it's re- it has a really good um, effect visually because you get... Uh... What's the technical word for this, Greg, actually? Where it's a page where it's a splash page, but instead of being one image, it's like the comic panel structure is just running over the two pages as if it was one page. Um, Double-page spread. Is it just double page spread? That's what I would call it from what you've described. Yeah, where it's just okay. one image across two pages, like a double page yeah. spread. Yeah, yeah. Because usually I would have thought, no, it's not one image. It's like the whole. It's like I don't know, eighteen oh, panels um, going up. Where it's two like pages. a yeah, where it yeah. So it's a double page spread, um, but it's split into individual panels. I, I, there might be a technical term for it, but I yeah, don't have yeah, it right I now. I was wondering if you knew. Cause, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, basically, it's it's yeah. one of them. And it's really cool because we get to like see what actually led, uh, what steps humanity took as they left, and it's all kind of like um, sort of dark history type thing of, of like where these things came from and uh, what we what what humanity's actions did to unleash them and why we just had to get the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, so we get we get we get all that, and then. Mm. The story basically goes from there. They're updating the president, telling him, like, okay, apparently the vampires that we left on Earth, um, they have developed stuff and they know where we are now. Um, And when I say they've developed stuff, they've, uh, I'm talking space travel and stuff. (laughs) They're they're really advanced in the time that uh, humanity left. So now they're, like, warning the president. And they know where we are, so we're kind of screwed in that way. So this is where we hear about an agent uh, who's been sent to Earth um, at the on the first term of the previous president, <laughs> who served two terms so ages ago, um, and her name is uh, Polly Lahan, um, and she is uh, a sergeant who has basically been trained in low light uh, and like every type of like martial arts and armed combat and been surgically modified with 
various anti-vampire technology and has been given uh, a like power suit that is referred to as it's basically a battleship stuffed into a suit of armor, sir. <laughs> so they've sent this like they basically sent like the master chief <laughs> uh, back to sort of see what's going on, maybe rough up some vampires and, and stop them uh, uh, stop them causing trouble when they get back. Um, and as part of this, when we pick up with our super agent Polly Lahan, we are we're shown Earth and it looks super desolate, and you've got these like little vampire-like creatures. Um, but uh, there is a another character, a, a girl called Weep who's on a cool-looking motorcycle, which is on the cover of this. Uh, and she has, like, cool um, goggles as well. I'm always a fan of cool goggles. And she's like, uh, oh, you need to stop this, because uh, uh, Polly, uh, Polly's uh, re-entry is this, like, massive monolith structure of, like, Spider legs and like a big laser coming out of the top, and it's mm. wiping out all the all the little vampire things. But then what we end up getting is that weeps like you need to stop that. Is you're going to draw attention, and Polly's like, so what? Like we're, we're, I'm decimating these things, and it's like uh, those aren't vampires. We call these ticks. Like this is what vampires are. And then last couple of panels we see, and it's like. Uh, basically army soldier types with, with uh, jets and stuff and it's like oh crap yeah the uh, vampires have evolved so it's a good setup for the first issue because um, yeah. it, um, it sets up this universe uh, with this whole like sins of the past thing because evidently they've left people behind if you've got um, if you've got people like weep there but then it's also a case of like there's so much history now that uh, like gaps that have to be filled in about what happened after humanity left. But also now we've got these super advanced vampires. Like what's what's the the plans for the future? Uh, and it has I can see why it would be on like heavy metal uh, before because it does have this uh, cyberpunky dirty grit vibe where like um, I could see some of these images and, and vehicles in like 2000 AD or something. Yeah. But with that said, there's a lot of color. And like, like I mentioned before, the back and forth between the use of black gutters and white gutters is um, pretty cool uh, um, storytelling device. And the way it guides your eyes from panel to panel is, um, is quite uh, inventive and uh, like, uh, and it makes it a bit more a bit more immersive, and uh, the lettering as well is is implemented in a in in a cool way where it's it feels like it's in the background, but because it's a lot of it is um like white, yeah, it um the basically the gutters are like pouring into the image, yeah, because the the letters go, um, cross the image and go in in from the gutters and, and out from the mm. gutters. So it's quite cool because it has this, uh, it has 
almost gives it like not 3D, but it gives it this sort of like um, dimensional effect, which yeah. is, which is quite cool because it it doesn't take you out of the book. And uh, they do cool things with like having, for instance, vampires when they speak, their um, speech bubbles are black with white writing. Mm. Um, when other characters speak, it's it's like um, uh, so when. Uh, uh, Polly speaks. It's uh, blue writing. Uh, sorry, a blue blue bubble with black writing. And um, when Weep speaks, it's like your standard uh, white uh, um, background with uh, mm. white bubbles with with uh, black writing in it. So it's really cool. Like there's yeah. a lot of like really cool stylistic touches in this, and um, just the use of things like lens flares and stuff. I know it's a 2015 comic, so. You've got a lot of stuff that does this now uh, and was doing this before, but like the way all these different tools come together, it's, um, it's, it's quite good. And you just have like this, like flavor here. You've got really like odd stuff. So like the president himself looks yeah like a kid <laughs> and uh, but he's meant to be 65 or something like that. So there's a lot of uh, weird and uh, like fun stuff going on and, it, it does feel on, I don't know where it goes, but uh, just based on it being Donny Cates and its look, I would say it's a great book. Yes. And, uh, well, you had me at Donny Cates, like I said. <laughs> but uh, Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett obviously went on to, uh, after that, um, to create one of the uh, better comics from last summer. One of the best comics from last summer, in fact, which was Cosmic Ghost Rider. Oh, uh, yeah. So that was that was those two. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, this is what they were doing before. So yeah, you might yeah. want to check it out. I will. I will have to look into that and check that out because that sounds amazing. But, um, yeah, what you what you were mentioning there, like lettering touches and things like that with different colored speech bubbles and that sort of stuff, that, that kind of stuff's really cool. And does it change the way you hear the voice in your head? Like, it I'm does. assuming, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming the blue bubble is like to give it kind of a cold feel so that when like, cause when I ever read anything in a blue bubble, it's usually coming from something uh, mechanical or robotic. Yeah. And like yeah. She, her character, Polly, she's the one who's been like, enhanced. she's the best, best yeah. soldier ever. And she's enhanced and she's yeah. like, uh, uh, like surgically enhanced and blah, blah. So it's like, it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like That's... there's a cool visual <clears throat> language to it, which I really like. Yeah, I mean that like that is one of the magical things about lettering when just by changing the color of the speech bubble you can make the voice sound differently in the reader's head which I I quite like that. Like when you want something to like Thanos's speech bubbles for example are black with white writing and they have kind of like a, a wavy edge. Yeah. Which for me gives him this like really deep gravelly voice. Yeah, it feels like it's booming. Yeah, this gravelly, booming voice. Like, the wavy edge just makes it, like, he sounds rough when he speaks, right? Of course he does. But, yeah, no, I love I love that. Like, he's, like when I see that, and, like, when I think about the way Thanos might speak, because I see how they do Thanos' speech bubbles, I think Thanos might um, have what I call a crypt voice. Like, um, yeah. very kind of, like, deep and, like, uh, like a crypt keeper type kind of vibe going on. Like a... Um, Almost like he has kind of like the uh, the cadence of a funeral director when he's speaking kind of thing. It's like, like <laughs> that's how I imagine it, like very deliberate and very, but yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on from there, 
I picked up Savage Avengers number one. Now, this actually has its roots in Free Comfort Day as well, because uh, they published a preview of the Savage Avengers in the Avengers Free Comic Book Day offering. Um, but I picked up, I went ahead and picked up number one, and uh, it actually released before Free Comic Book Day, and yeah, it was really, really cool. So, so uh, this is like a bit of fun for me, and it's coming out of the Avengers No Road Home event, and some of the meanest toughest Marvel anti-heroes assemble to stop the Hand, which are the spooky ninja death cult types that you'll know from the Daredevil comics. Um... And also the recent Daredevil series. Uh, the Hand are like these... Uh, they're like a mystical ninja sect. And um, the gist is they can kill someone and then revive them as a servant of the Hand. Uh, the Hand being a cult that serves a, a specific demon. Um, now, like a, like a ninja cult that serves a demon, basically. It's, it's all very supernatural and very cool. And uh, yeah, if you want to know more about that, then... I would say read some Daredevil comics because that's where the hand kind of have their roots. Um, I think they're a Frank Miller creation, actually, from the... I think they are, yeah. Yeah. Um, So this team consists of... Now, get ready to hear this, uh, Leon. So we've got Wolverine, Elektra, Venom, The Punisher, and Brother Voodoo. Yeah, that is savage. Yeah, those guys are not playing games. And then, like, from there, you just add Conan the Barbarian to extrapolate it however many more times. <laughs> what the hell is this book? <laughs> I know, right? So, <laughs> Conan the Barbarian is in the Savage Lands, hunting an amulet. Um, and Conan crossed over into the Marvel Universe as part of Avengers No Road Home. And this kind of spins out of that. So, Conan's now part of the main Marvel Universe. He lives in the Savage Lands. Um, or he's in the Savage Lands and he's hunting an amulet and there's some evil sorcerers from Conan's world that seem to be there as well and they've found common ground with the hand and this is where the lines begin to blur. So um, they're kind of like sharing magical practices and things like that and there's uh, some ritual sacrifice going on and filling it, filling something with blood to summon something. Um, and in the first issue, Wolverine and Conan cross paths and it's it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> like, there's some, like, really gorgeous work here in this comic. And, like, one of my favourite sequences is when Wolverine and Conan cross paths. And uh, there's this page of six vertical panels detailing the events of a fall from a cliff edge. Because they're fighting and then they go over the edge of a cliff. And they fall down this cliff edge. And we have this kind of, like, distant view in, like, some of these six panels. One of the panels is Wolverine, like, um, getting his claws out and digging them in to try and slow his fall like digging them into the side of the cliff. Mm. But like we get the um this image of them falling as silhouettes against a sun a sunset. Like you can just imagine the silence and or, like you just because it's the savage lands it's like there's just not a lot of stuff there. It's like nature yeah. and stuff. So you just imagine the silence as you're just watching distantly these two silhouettes fall off the edge of a cliff just still like taking chunks out of each other and then going through the roof of a tavern. Um, there's a tavern yeah yeah i think some of conan's world got pulled into uh, marvel yeah. universe but you go through the roof of a tavern there's no one in there it's empty and uh, they come crashing through this roof and they're both like out on the floor and then uh like 
Conan gets up. This is when they decide to call it a day, basically. <laughs> Conan gets up um, first before Wolverine does. And he picks up a barrel and then drinks straight from the barrel and then pours some into Wolverine's face while he's lying on the floor. And then Wolverine gets up and wipes his mouth and says, thanks, Popeye needs his spinach. <laughs> right? <laughs> So, so that, it, 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 this is what we're dealing with. This yeah, is, this yeah. Is fun, but... <laughs> yeah. Maximum Greg. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so then those two are friends now. Uh, <laughs> and Wolverine's in the yellow and brown, which I like. Um, I like Wolverine's yellow and brown outfit. I think that's his best colours. I don't... I'm not... A, I mean, I, the blue and yellow is cool and all, but I'm a fan of the yellow and brown. I don't know about you. Uh... I think I think that one. Well, the orange and brown, isn't it? It's not yellow and brown. It's orange and brown. Yeah. Yeah. See, I I, I like I like the the blue. Yeah. I, I do like the like yellow the and blue. blue. I I mean the yellow and blue is classic. Yellow, blue, and black. That's like classic Wolverine. But I. I don't know. I I think the brown and orange. I like. I think that that's like um, less garish. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does look cool because yeah. the because the the. The brown is sort of like a t-shirt kind yeah. of thing. It's like it goes over his shoulders. Yeah, it is a cool. Look. It's just less garish, and I think I like it better for that. Um, but yeah, that's just me. Um, so yeah, uh, that that is as much as I'm going to say about the events of the comic and what happens, and like you know the the way the comic is artistically and mechanically as well like the artwork some of the artwork in it is absolutely gorgeous we've got like some kind of semi borderless panels with other panels in set and uh like there's this 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 conan like turning round and then you've got like a flash like light coming from the edge of the page like he's turning round into the sun like that's mm. the direction the light's coming from and it just looks beautiful and then that next page is him and wolverine face to face so like it, they basically, uh, it's um, Conan battering a load of hand ninjas, and then that's how he meets Wolverine, because Wolverine is also battering hand ninjas. And Conan, uh, as Conan's battering hand ninjas in a frenzy, he puts his sword in Wolverine's head, and Wolverine's just, like, standing there with this sword in his head, and Conan's like, how the fuck is this guy still alive, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it all starts, basically. But yeah, it, it's um, it's good fun, and um, I am really looking forward to issue two to see where they take this because they've just like the way they involve the Punisher as well is just like, for want of a better word, savage. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward. Yeah, because I, I was wondering how he fit into this as well. Yeah, I think these um, without. I, I mean, I don't want to go because if I keep yeah, going, I'll yeah. spoil it, but. He's, uh, these, these, uh, the hand and these, um, these sorcerers from Conan's world are, they need, um, uh, Earth's mighty, they need sacrifices from mighty warriors. They need, like, strong blood from the best artists, the best warriors, the best singers. So they're going around the world collecting, like, the, the, the greatest and then murdering them and taking their blood. And I think they want Frank Castle because he's one of the, uh, the the hardest people in the Marvel Universe, maybe. I don't know, but yeah. One of the hardest people on Earth or something, I don't know. Yeah, that that's that's kind of how it works anyway. And that's why these lot have ended up in a team together because they're all solid. 
foot into one of in every sense in. of the word. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, Savage Avengers, and um, the uh, creative team behind this is. Uh, just find the credits. Flip through the comic pages. We have uh, Jerry Duggan on writing duties. The artist is Mike Dedato Jr. Color artist Frank Martin. Letterer is VCs Travis Lanham. Um, we've got a cover by David Finch and Frank Diamata, and there's like uh, a bunch of variant covers. Uh, we've got Simone Bianchi and uh, Simone Peruzzi, uh, Mike Dedato and Frank Martin, Mobius, Scotty Young. Uh, Lionel Francis, you and Romulo Ferrado Jr. So, yeah, you've got like a a bunch of variant covers for it. The cover I've got is kind of like the main one, which is basically um, the characters standing Avengers poster style with Wolverine front and center. Mm. So, like a like a like an Avengers movie poster where they're kind of like standing in a tower, like yeah, set, yeah. set back from each other. Venom's at the top. Then you've got Brother Voodoo and uh, um, Conan back to back. Then you've got the Punisher dead center with Elektra to his left. And then dead center right in front is Wolverine with his arms crossed and his claws out. Classic Wolverine pose. So, yeah. Looking good. And uh, that is Savage Avengers. So I'd I'd like you to read that actually, just see what you make of it, because it's or Marv even. I think Marv Marv would enjoy that one. If you're listening, Marv, you'll have to come back on the show and talk about that with me. <laughs> it sounds like something you'd enjoy. Um, I think that wraps us up for comics, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've got anything left on the list to talk about, so that's it. Um, yeah, that is all the comics we had to talk about today. So. I guess now uh, we can move on to the pull list. Um, so, actually, no, just before we do the pull list, we have a question, don't we? So, um, Marv, who friend of ours, one of our guests, has sent us a question. And uh, his question is, I was thinking about comic book moments or panels that have always stuck with me. For instance, Bane breaking the bat in Nightfall. Or in the What If Dark Phoenix Killed the X-Men comic, where Phoenix throws Wolverine back at Colossus after a fastball special, making Wolverine kill his own friend. So my question is, what comic panels left you so shocked that they're burned into your memory forever? And he said in brackets as well, a more recent for him was the last two big story beats in The Boys, but he's not going to spoil that. Or, yeah. I mean, so I... uh, the, The... the Batman one that he describes first of all, the Bane one is iconic. And that's one that I'd actually put on my list because, I mean, it's not even a panel. It's a full page and it's a full page of Bane, you know, shoving the bat over his knee and snapping the guy in two from the Nightfall comics. And it's in bright orange. It's yeah, just in your face. Uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful piece of art. It is. And it's, yeah, I can. It is striking, and it does stick with you. It's one of those moments that's like it's an iconic moment as well, isn't it? So this got me thinking as well. It's not just about how striking the panel and the artwork is, but it's also about how iconic the moment is as well. Like an iconic moment that shakes you to your core in a comic, or shakes the foundations of what they've been building in that comic and the story they've been telling. 
Um, I mean, so, I mean, for, I mean, Leon, uh, do you want to go first and give us anything that you've been thinking about regarding that or? Well, yeah, it's like uh, following on from what you're saying. So um, the way I perceived the question um, was to be like, he's a shot to your core. So there's a lot of um, iconic panels, um, like whether they be the super famous ones from superhero comics or whether they be a little bit more obscure or the stuff like um, like uh, <clears throat> panels that just uh, like they're, they're a work of art type thing, where it's like they encompass the moment perfectly. There's like a bunch of those, whether it be in, in indie uh, books as well, but like reading it off the face of being shocked, it like I wanted to narrow down my selection a bit more, but, um, but a lot of the, a lot of those style ones come very late into like long runs, like 60 issue runs. So like the aforementioned, um, the boys one that he mentions, uh, I know exactly what he's talking about. He doesn't have to say it. Um, but like if I was to give one for this, um, there, I'm going to spoil, um, walking dead, <laughs> uh, issue 48. Okay. So like, when I read The Walking Dead many, many years ago, um, it was I think it was around the time, it was probably a year before the show started, and then into the first season of the show is when I was reading it. So I believe I got to issue 100, but I can't remember. Right. Uh, so instead of spoiling something right at the end, I'm going to spoil something that happened relatively in the comics ages ago, especially because in the TV show... Uh, characters involved with this died ages ago and it seems like the TV show is the pop culture thing for Walking Dead to justify myself. But I'll still give a spoiler warning (laughs) because I I do hate to spoil plot points. Um, So skip forward two minutes maybe (laughs) if you don't want to hear. But like a spoiler for issue 48. What what happens? It's towards the end of the the governor storyline in the in the in the comic. So uh, the Walking Deaders, uh, I'll call them, uh, have had issues with this character called the Governor, who sort of is the king of his own town, um, and they've run afoul of him because he's insane, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, they're at the prison. So they... And the Governor is awful. He's way worse in the comic than he was in the TV show. Like, he's absolutely brutal, vicious, horrible, horrible person. Um, And, like, so all that stuff is kicked off, from what I remember correctly. And they're at the prison, and they've sent, like, crap loads of soldiers who are just, like, laying waste uh, to to the Walking Dead. It's just, like, a flurry of bullets and everything. And... uh, First, remember the main character is uh, Rick Grimes, <laughs> and like uh, him, um, his wife Laurie, uh, his son Carl, uh, and his daughter Judith are trying to like escape with the others. So it's like Herschel, Billy, Trisha, and a few other characters, and it's awful sequence. The, the reason why this one sticks in my because I don't really have that much love for Walking Dead. I I enjoyed what I was reading in the comics, but I didn't think that it was uh, when people always say like, oh, you like the show, you should read the comic, it's way better. I don't think it was way better. I think it was just a different 
avenue, different way to tell that story. Because there's stuff in the show that I think was way better than the comic and stuff in the comic that I thought was way better than the show. But ultimately, my favorite bit of Walking Dead is the game, <laughs> season one of the of the Telltale game. Um, but despite not, not having that mega affinity for it, the panel is so brutal because what it is, it's a, a splash page of bullets flying at them. And then it, the splash page is uh, Laurie, who is holding Judith, who's a baby. Um, and she's running... And it's a big splash page of just like a a bullet blast shredding her in half, basically. And like, it's so literally visceral um, and it's so um, shocking and violent um, that like her midsection is basically just exploded. And then she just falls to the the ground, basically crushing her baby. And like Rick is just has to be like, uh, don't look back, Carl keep running but that particular splash of um uh, laurie uh, get, getting blasted it, that's been burnt into my brain like i'll never forget that image because at the time for me it was so i just didn't expect um like the main character a main character to die especially with a baby it was it was so i mean you could call it like shock for shock's sake and there's stuff that happens earlier on as part of this storyline that they didn't include, I mean, this isn't included in the show, but that they didn't include in the show this because it it was like, it felt like shock, uh, shock value type thing of like, shock for shock's sake. But whatever the motivations between this scene, it, it, uh, this panel, it was absolutely brutal and it's like etched, etched in my brain forever. Yeah, um, that does actually sound pretty brutal. Uh, but like, I think, you know what I, I've I've actually um, there's a correlation between violence as well and uh, <laughs> iconic panels. I mean, a, yeah, a couple of mine are rooted in brutal violence, but um, so the one that uh, Marv mentions is the the uh, the iconic um, full page of Bane breaking Batman's back, which is from uh, Batman Volume One Four Nine Seven. Um, which is part of the Nightfall storyline. And I think it's like chapter 11 in the Nightfall. It's like part 11 Nightfall yeah. storyline, yeah. That, sound, that sounds right. Yeah, and it's 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 brutal. It is brutal. And it's it's like... <laughs> it's a great image. Yeah, it's a great image, but it's just uh... so, it's so brutal. And when you read that and you're like, damn, Batman's back's broken. What's he going to do? You know, it's just... Because you know like a spinal, Im- a spinal injury is we all know what a spinal injury is like it's that's it you know so yeah that's why that one's so shocking another one for me was from uh batman 428 which was um part of a death in the family um and this is a full page splash of batman holding holding jason todd's limp and lifeless body basically oh yeah yeah and that, when you read that, that sticks in your mind because it's, it's not just, you know, a, a death. It's it, Batman losing his son, you know what I mean? Like, because this is how, ba- like, Batman and the, the relationship between Batman and Robin, Batman's kind of almost like a, he's kind of like a surrogate father at times, isn't he? And he's a teacher and, you know, and he 
everything else and, and this you know this this kid is his friend he's he's a soldier that's fought alongside batman he's batman's partner he's he's you know lived with batman and batman's just lost this kid and he's you know it it's batman feels responsible for that batman feels responsible for the death of jason todd and he's standing there with you know jason todd just in his arms and it is an awful image because isn't everything yeah. like like there's a wreckage he's standing in the middle of wreckage as well yeah and like uh jason's like missing like one of his shoes yeah like it's, it's an awful image it's an awful image i mean even even other images in this storyline um going back to the point where the joker is hammering jason with the the crowbar well, that's and a series of images. <laughs> yeah, you've got that series of images with the crowbar just going up and coming down. And, um, like, you you see Jason beaten black and blue after that. And it's just, it's horrible. So I'm going to put, like, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's probably several different panels included in the death of Jason Todd that go on my list. So, yeah, um... That's that's definitely because that that hit me when I saw that that hit me because I felt for Batman and I I felt sorry for Jason and I don't want that to you know no one wants that to happen <laughs> it's just horrible the way the way he went as well like what they did to him but yeah but he's back now anyway and he's wearing a red helmet and gunning people <laughs> down so it's okay <laughs> happy ending yeah exactly yeah. We've got the red hood now, so that's all okay. Um, other ones on my list uh, from TMNT number fifty. Um, there is the panel where uh, Splinter beheads Shredder, and it is after ritual combat um, to decide leadership of the Foot Clan, and Splinter defeats Shredder, and then. Splinter must kill Shredder. And Splinter, like, kind of like, Shredder's on his knees. And it's like a ceremonial beheading, basically. um, With a katana, Japanese sword. And the panel where Splinter beheads Shredder. And it's just such a striking panel. It's it's washed in red. The artwork is is beautiful. The artwork is the um, the same artist that works on uh, Shredder in Hell, the Santa Luoco. Um, and it's just, it's it's, it's gorgeous, but it's also so brutal. And I think it's just seeing a character as gentle and as, you know, as passive as Splinter can be actually getting his hands dirty like that, because I think that is what hammers that home. Seeing Splinter do that, like a character like Splinter, who is this gentle, passive father figure, who um he's a teacher and he i mean yes he teaches martial arts and everything else but it's almost as if he um you, you always feel like splinter would say that if there is another way take the other way you know like like violence isn't always the way that's that's how you feel when that that's the kind of image you get of splinter that's what you get from splinter um but splinter's got claws <laughs> damn <laughs> Yeah, um, that panel where Splinter takes Shredder's head is, yeah, in the IDW, um, 
the IDW uh, TMNT run. That's issue 50. And it is a doozy. And that is a spoiler, by the way. So, <laughs> But yeah, um, that that's a, a great one for me. And then, like, um, there's things that stick in my head because they're just so striking. Like, uh, in Pax Americana, um, which is part of uh, DC's Multiversity, um, there's a point in Pax Americana, there's just some beautiful page layouts that just stick in my head, like, um, there's like a double page spread, um, where they do this whole Gemini thing, and they're, they're, they're like, they're mentioning Gemini in the, uh, in the, like without spoiling it too much, they're mentioning Gemini as in Gemini, the two-faced God. They're mentioning the, the, the like the, the, they're talking about the idea of Gemini and two faces and things in within the, the, the panels I'm talking about within the two, the pages I'm talking about. And they've also got this whole like, um, reflective Gemini thing going on in the panel layouts and stuff. And it's just, it's so, so cool. <laughs> And it's just things like that where the panel layouts are just so inventive and so cool. Um, I mean, we all we could all talk about Pax Americana forever because that's got some really amazing panel layouts in it, and we know it has. Yeah, and we know it, there's some, some really awesome stuff. Some that's like four by four, isn't it? Which yeah, is it's, immense. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like sixteen panel pages, and it's just like, but it's just such a that is like such a gorgeous comic, like on its own. Even if you don't read the rest of Multiversity, just read that bit, you know just for its watchman pedigree kind of thing because it kind of it is just a nod to watchman anyway but it's yeah there's just some really good panel layouts in there and it's great but yeah those those are the ones that like immediately come to me and stick in my head i mean like there's so many as well because obviously you know i read an awful lot of comics and i just once a week, maybe something just pops out and hits me in the face. Like, uh, I mean, I'll just like, even for a really recent example, um, in Murder Falcon number eight, there's a, a great sort of like, um, I guess it's like, could you call it four fifths of the page in a panel? Um, and it's, um, a hammer striking an anvil, a giant hammer striking a giant anvil. And, destroying a demonic force and like that goes over a couple of panels this hammer like just coming down encased in lightning from space i don't fucking know but it's just oh my god yeah it's beautiful and this hammer just crushes him and you've got this big boom like onomatopoeia in the background and it's just like explosions going off and the earth is shattered and this giant anvil and this huge hammer and it's just yeah metal <laughs> but yeah there's that as well so i mean yeah i i'm a, i am basically awash with these moments but those are the few ones that i've chosen to mention in answer to your question marv so i hope that has been satisfactory because i i believe actually it's um it's probably 50% artwork and 50% iconic moment in comics anyway so, like, what's actually happening, like an iconic moment in that story or a big pivotal moment, a big pivotal beat that changes or shapes something, shakes the status quo from that point forward, I guess. For me, anyway. Um, and that wraps us up uh, onto the pull list. So, 
I'm just going to run through this pretty quick. Uh, for the 22nd of the 5th, which is when this episode will be available, we have the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls number one, which is a one shot which comes out of the pages of Drawing Blood Spilled Ink number one, um, which is. These are like the new Kevin Eastman things that have been on the cards for a while. And um, one of them is like semi autobiographical. Um, true st- true story but not a true story uh about um working in the comics industry and uh it's it's about this writer who comes up with the radically rearranged ronin ragdolls which is basically just the tmnt but not um and it just yeah it's like he's basically it's like the st- his, his story like struggling to uh, the, the the official blurb is Kevin Eastman uh, returns to independent comics with a new creation, an inside look at the turbulent life and times of a once successful cartoonist on the skids. Shane Books Bookman. Once upon a time, Books co-created the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls, a gritty funny indie comic that became a billion-dollar global franchise. Now, years later, the partnership dissolved, the corporate buyout all spent. Books is struggling to recover from the hit and run driver called Early Success. So it's kind of semi-autobiographical, kind of like... The, the true not true story kind of thing um and he's looking for the will and the joy to create something new again and it's uh kevin eastman and david avalone uh so kevin eastman ben bishop and troy little have worked on this um and it sounds kind of cool um you know as as far as things like that go uh we've also got the um as I mentioned, the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls, which is kind of going to be like a parody, meta parody, self parody within a parody thing that is going to be basically the TMNT but cats. Okay. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, which sounds kind of cool, and I'm I'm down with that. So from the pages of Drawing Blood and the Mind of Kevin Eastman comes a story inside the story, the indie comic about three crime-fighting mutant cats, which launched the Ragdoll franchise in 1992 and kicked off Ragdoll's mania. See where it all began in this thrilling one-shot from co-creators Kevin Eastman and David Avalone. So again, yeah, this is the... Yeah, it is what it is. It's the TMNT, but not. And it looks kind of cool. It looks like something that I, I want to check out. So, yeah. Um, there's also the last one on the 22nd that I picked out was something called Road of Bones. And that is on IDW. Um, and uh, the blurb for this one goes, In 1953, the Siberian gulag of uh, Kolyma is hell on earth, which is why Roman Morozov leaps to at the chance to escape it. But even if they make it out... Roman and his fellow escapees still have hundreds of miles of frozen tundra between them and freedom. With the help of a mysterious being straight out of his childhood fairy tale stories, Roman just might make it, or is the being simply a manifestation of his brutal circumstances driving him insane? And this is from writer Rich Duick of Gutter Magic and artist Alex Cormack of Sync. A road of bones will carve a path of unrelenting dread right into your heart. Horror, history and Russian folklore collide in this brutal survival tale where the worst prison in the world is merely the gateway to even darker horrors. So, what do you make of that, Leon? It uh, sounds interesting. Some <laughs> Soviet-era horror. Um, I'm all in for the Russian folklore, so yeah, I'm down with that. And that's Rich Duick and Alec, Alex Cormack, so I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to be checking that out for the next show. Um, 29th of the 5th, we've got Batman, The Last Night on Earth, and Stranger Things 6. Um... 
Stranger Things, uh, I just picked that out because that's like, uh, that just sounds interesting. So, um, a teenage girl with precognitive abilities has struggled through a lifetime of exploitation only to end up with the pawn of a government agency that wants to harness her powers to its own ends. You've seen the show Stranger Things, but this is your first glimpse of the strangeness that happened before the series began. So it's a prequel. Um, and this is about number six. So we've got 11 in the Stranger Things show. This is about six. Uh, and this is Stranger Things 6, number one. Uh, and that is Jodie Hauser, Triona Farrell, uh, Edgar Salazar, Keith Champagne. And uh, we've got a bunch of covers by uh, Aleski Bricot, uh, Patrick Scatterfield, David Mack, and Lyle Lambert. Um, the other thing was Batman Last Night on Earth, which is um, another thing on the um, the DC Black Label um, imprint. So this is like the next DC Black Label thing. Um, Bruce Wayne wakes up in Arkham Asylum, young and sane, and he was never Batman. So begins this spoiling tale of the Dark Knight as he embarks on a quest through a devastated DC landscape featuring a massive cast of familiar faces from DC Universe as he tries to piece together the mystery of his past. He must unravel the cause of this terrible future and track down the unspeakable force that destroyed the world as he knew it. From the powerhouse creative team of writer Scott Snyder and artist Greg Capullo, uh, the team that reinvented Batman from the emotional depths of Court of Owls to the bombastic power of Dark Knight's Metal DC, Black Label is proud to present the bi-monthly three-issue miniseries Batman Last Night on Earth published at DC's standard comic trim size. And that's because um, the uh, the Batman Damned one was like magazine sized and it was a bit crazy. So I think they're like, these ones are like regular comics. You'll be able to fit them in bags and boards. Please buy it. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, I've been looking forward to this because it's Snyder and Capullo and they like, like it mentions in the blurb there, it's the new 52 team. And Batman New 52 run is a smasher of a run if you want to read some Batman. So I'm I'm down for this. I'm down for this. Um, And that's my pull list. Leon, you got anything? Uh, anything that you're going to be reading that you want to sort of lampshade or bring up? Nah, I've, I've spoken about what, what I want to talk about on future episodes. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah. We know where we're going already. We've got the we've got the future future charted out for us right there. <laughs> we know by the next show, Greg's going to be talking about Batman Last Night on Earth and uh, Road of Bones, possibly. And uh, yeah, so that has been Ace Comicals episode number sixty-two. Um, uh, you can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals. Um, you can find us at www.acecomicals.com, which is the hub for everything. On there, we have links to um, all the places you can listen to us. We've got Apple Podcasts, Castro, Overcast, Pocketcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, you can find us on uh, Instagram under Ace Comicals. Um, we're pretty much everywhere, really. If you want to send us a question, you can email it over to acecomicals at gmail.com or you can get in touch via Twitter, uh, just at us or DM us and uh, we will endeavour to answer your question on the show as we have here for Marv today. Uh, you can find me on Twitter under at Bato, that's B-A-T-T-O-U. So at us, tweet us, get involved. Please get involved in the conversation. Uh, Leon, uh, where can we find you? 
can find me on Twitter uh, at Leon Everett. And there we go. So that has been Ace Comicals. So Ace Comicals over and out.